Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 104.9 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Final hour for us on a Monday. But by no means the end of the conversation here on the Horn. You know we go live and local all day, every day. Light the tower coming up at 10 o'clock. Then Chad and Zay through the midday. Harge and Rod this afternoon. We also have uh, Soccer Matters tonight. Glenn Davis. Be interested to hear Glenn's thoughts on this collapsing Austin FC side that hasn't scored a goal in a month. 6-0 and on giving out picks on, on Soccer Matters. Soccer picks. You are? Oh, yeah. Did you pick Wrexham? I don't even know if you can you can bet on that, but yeah, I would have. Oh, I like saying Wrexham. It's a great story, and it's a fun thing to say. Also, Buck, we're talking uh, Longhorns get swept. What's the number one job of a pitcher? Throw strikes. Yes. Throw strikes. Or put that ball in play. Throw. Let your defense do the work. Yeah, you got the number one defense in the conference, and you're walking in the house. Just the lack of confidence right now. Frustrating. Yeah, David Pierce was very disappointed. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles this. I mean, this is Woody Williams. He's their new pitching coach. The reports have been great, and the results have been great. Talk going into the weekend that despite the rough weekend in Waco, they won two out of three. Yep. They, they had the number one pitching staff ERA in the Big 12 by a lot. You know, this weekend, Skip Johnson and, ten, and company. I'd also say this for Skip and Oklahoma. They came in as a, the more desperate team, and I'm assuming that's what was most alarming to David Pierce was they understood at 4-8, and eight, if they don't win, you know, get going here. And remember, Oklahoma's a team played for the national championship in that series last year, just you know, not even a year ago. Uh, so they're a program that's, that's got some lofty expectations of their own, and they, they've been scuffling. They came in here, and uh, you know, that's the thing. They came in with a lot of intensity, and Texas maybe didn't match it. And then you know, they just allowed Texas to walk in runs. <laughs> that's how they won the game Friday night on a bases-loaded walk in the eighth inning, broke a 1-1 tie. All the walks that led to the big lead on Saturday, and then same, you know, both games on Saturday, where they fell behind eight to nothing and five to nothing, playing uphill the whole day. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how David Pierce handles that because this is his first year working with Woody Williams, right? So there's a coach's conversation. Yes. Hey, Woody, what are we doing here? Uh, what's going on? Uh, you know, we the, you, we've never been to this point with those two, and uh, also the offense wasn't great over the weekend. But again, when you're playing from behind all the time, that uh, that's a struggle. Uh, I'd also say this, Buck, on the football. This is interesting because the draft is Thursday. We know that. Finally, we're going to actually get some resolution to all these debates. Who's going where? Aaron Rodgers will be gone by the end of the yeah, week. Yeah, the Packers and Jets have resumed conversations. But again, you yes. know they would this week. This is It's draft week. Also, there was talk over the weekend. I got a text from my brother who lives in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, which is just south of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And he said, buzz up here, guys. He texted me and my brother. Uh, a lot of chatter here that Bijan Robinson is going to be the pick to the Eagles at the tenth pick, and it's kind of leaking out from the Eagles. Well, then the story surfaces over the weekend that the Eagles are going after Derrick Henry, that they want to trade for Derrick Henry, and of course we've talked about the Cowboys 
trading for Derrick Henry. If the Eagles trade for Derrick Henry, they're not going to draft B. John Robinson, or maybe they would. I don't know. I don't know what the Eagles are going to do. But we know that last year on draft night, the Eagles made the biggest splash move by acquiring A.J. Brown. They did. Which changed the game uh, So and changed that team. What will they do? Will the Cowboys react? And I, I love this. Peter King does his uh, Monday morning quarterback column. It's it must read every Monday for football fans because he's so in the know. He wrote this today that, uh, let me tell you about a GM with a pick in the top 10 for the second straight year who told Peter King this, last year I was 90% sure of our pick before the draft. This year I'm 25% sure. Wow. Like nobody knows. Everyone knows Bryce Young's going number one. Yes. No one knows what's next because Houston, absolute wild card. They're not in love with C.J. Stroud. Would they take Will Levis that high? And Because the talk has been they've been trying to trade down but they because they'd like to take Will Levis. Potentially, he like they, they favor him over CJ because of the reasons we've talked about this morning. But you know, would they take him at two? And, or would, would they, you be disappointed if they did? I, I'm I'm getting concerned because the, the uh, here's what I think Nick Casario will do. I think he'll take whoever they have as the highest graded player at that point, and that's probably going to be Tyree Wilson, the defensive end from Texas Tech. And you know, and then what do you now? You're rolling the dice that you don't even get a quarterback in this draft unless you trade back up because if you don't take Will Levis. But I, th- I think the Colts like Will Levis, too. I know. Is the th- That's like. what I'm saying. Like, like Your chance to take him is at two. And if you don't take him at two, he might be gone by four. Or someone might trade the number three with Arizona who's right. looking to bail out of that pick and take your quarterback. So Texans, and again, this is Nick Casario's probably last bite at this. Now, And here's the, the cool thing for Nick Casario and the Texans. They've hired the coach they want, finally, in D'Amico Ryans. But they also, you know, if, if, if they get this draft right based on what they did last year, they're going to be an ascending team, right? I mean, they they hit on their picks last year with, you know, you know Derek Stingley and Jalen Green or Jalen. Uh, what's the big tackle from Kenyon Green? Big guard from Alley A and M. Jalen Petrie, Dam- Damian Pierce. They got starters. If they do that again with three of the first thirty-three picks and a lot of draft capital, they're going to be in the conversation. And but they got to get a quarterback, right? And so if you're Nick Casario, this can be either be the weekend you get fired. Or the weekend you put this team back into the conversation in the AFC South. And what's crazy about them is their quarterback has to play. Well, they yes, would say they otherwise. Have. They would say, you know what, we we like Case Keenum, we like Davis Mills. Case Keenum can win us football games. Uh, now, your your fans are not going to like to hear that. There's no doubt about that. No, but there's same, not a chance they roll Case Keenum out there. Just they saying, run Davis I, Mills first, I wouldn't they? Say, look, here's what I would say on that. I, I'm a fan of the Texans, so I get it. The fans have been whiplash like Longhorn football fans. You're just waiting for something that looks like a championship-caliber team in, in Austin. It kind of feels like it right now. But in Houston, you're just looking for some winning football. But D'Amico Ryan, you got to remember, put yourself in D'Amico Ryan's shoes. He's really not concerned about the fans right this second. He's worried about building a roster. He's a first-year coach. This is his first chance at this. Yeah, he's thinking he's going to be here more than right. a year, and he's, maybe. And he's planning on being here the long haul. Well, you can call David Culley and Lovey Smith. And, <laughs> and ask him, go? how does that feel? How'd that one-year run go? <laughs> <laughs> but I think most people think D'Amico's baked in here, and he's going to be the guy. So he's thinking, okay, I know the fans are going to be mad, but you know we can win some games next year with Case Keenum or Davis Mills. I need to take the best players here. I need to build my my defensive line. I need to build this I team. i got to take Will Anderson if he's sitting there. I can't mess But all around. reports are they have, David, Tyree Wilson graded a little higher because of his size, right? He's, sure. He's more of a, a sturdy 280-pound guy, 6'6". Oh, yeah. uh, quick twitch, though. Really a good player at Texas Tech and Texas A&M before that. So we'll see. Again, that's the wild card. No one knows. 
No if I was knows. a Texas fan, Texans fan, Tyree Wilson would be the most disappointing pick for me. I, well, because it's going to bring shades of Mario Williams. Jadavion I mean, Mario, Mario Williams is a. Both those guys were good players. But Mario we, Williams was a pretty good player. Clowney was a feast or famine player who couldn't, couldn't stay healthy. But I don't know that he loved playing football that much. But you're right. That would be a, a, a remind everybody. Now, they took J.J. Watt with the 11th pick of a draft at one point, and he's going straight to the Hall of Fame. Um, but So there's that argument. But, yeah, I agree. I think most Texans fans would like to get the quarterback solved or at least on the way. If you don't like C.J. Stroud, then take Will Levis. And then at 12, take now take the best player on your board. And you, you hate to reach – but uh, yeah, you you know. Even, well, if you had to take another cornerback to go to the other cornerback, you are golden, Jerry. They're taking pass rusher. I think they feel pretty good about their secondary right now, young secondary. Now they may add some pieces later in the draft, but with that twelfth pick, I think they're going edge rusher. I mean, I think they're going to go. That is Nolan Smith, the guy out of Georgia, fall there. Well, if they don't get a quarterback, you're right, because they're going to be on defense a lot, though. Well, and like Peter King's from uh, you know Monday morning quarterback, he's got his mock draft out. He has the Texans taking Tyree Wilson too. And then Hendon Hooker with the twelfth pick, which I think would be way early on Hendon Hooker. But you know, is that by the way Hendon Hooker on that uh, cognitive test forty four, forty four according to Bob McGinn, not the best. But just saying, just saying, I really believe that's going to become more and more a a a big tell for college for pro football teams trying to draft quarterbacks that cognitive ability because too many players who do really well on it turned out to be really good players. That's the number one. I mean, when Drew Brees aces the test, right, and Joe Burrow aces the, the – and it's not even a test. It's just a, an a, a evaluation of how quickly your brain works. I it's mean, a test. You're right, the first time. I mean, I don't know, but again, it's not like a, a – it's really getting deep inside of how you, you process – it's your processor, mm-hmm. which is what the position of quarterback is about. I mean, think about the quarterbacks you mentioned. I mean, Joe Burrow doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, right? He's got plenty strong arm, but he's not Josh Allen out there flinging the ball around. Drew Brees, Bryce Young – but when you're accurate and you can process quickly and put the ball where you need it to be, you can be very successful. You can have the strongest. You can have Anthony Richardson's arm, but if you don't know where you would need to throw it and process it quickly enough before the window closes, you're not going to be a good quarterback. That's Man, just, defenses are ever-changing. You have to – that is a – I like the test. I like I like what it's looking at. If you can give me one more test to help out a quarterback or my decision on a quarterback, that would – and, and again, I it think all, it's great. It all goes into the total grade of the quarterback. Sure, there's I mean, no doubt else about that. You have size, speed, tape, film. Yeah, but again, it's the the S two website shows the results of Joe Burrow. It's one of the, the highlighted players because he got a 97 on his, and but it's broken into four sections. 94 percent he got on visual learning. It's okay. Uh, how quickly do you learn with your eyes? Because it's a visual position. Absolutely. 97 percent he got an instinctive learning on after taking the 45 minute laptop. You know, test ninety-seven percent in impulse control. So that's to me, stay calm when chaos ensues, right. which is going to happen. And then ninety-three percent he scored in improvisation, which when you watch Joe Burrow play, sure, kind of looks like him. <laughs> he doesn't get rattled. Joe Cool Burrow stays calm. Uh, and then you know, Drew Brees aced the test. Brock Purdy aced the test. Bryce Young got a ninety-eight percent, which is why he's. Sh- Shot up to the, be the preferred pick of the Wouldn't Carolina. Would be surprised family. if Lamar Jackson came into play here for the Texans. Uh, Lamar, no. Well, Why? Or Trey Lance? Just timeline doesn't fit the timeline. You're paying too much for to suck. Says, Lamar Jackson is going to make you. I mean, he's a great player, but he's not going to change the Texans overnight. 
Uh, he'll make them a lot better. Uh, but yes, that that debate will come in if they if they roll the dice on this draft and don't get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Then I think they would turn at least a conversation to Trey Lance and or you know Lamar Jackson because you'd have to um, for the reasons we say. If you want to you know be, be relevant, so it's going to be so funny if C.J. Stroud becomes an elite quarterback in the league. It would be funny, but it would also be unprecedented as far as this test goes. Nobody who's taken this test who scored poorly has become a good quarterback. Which again, they're, they're, I mean, what you can't do, unfortunately, is take this test and give it to other quarterbacks of the past who have who have struggled, right? High picks who didn't play well, right? But I guess you could give it to a Sam Darnold and have him take it and you know, see where he's at, right? I mean, but this is all part of the valuation process of before you invest the pick in that player, where is he? Uh, and this this test has only been online since 2020, so this is not like there's a large. You know, year after year sample size that will happen over time. So, like Drew Brees went back and took it and took it. Like when they were developing the software, they asked Drew Brees to come take it now, as a retired player, and he did very well. Did because you know that that you never lose that, right? Uh, well, Bucky would hit his head with a car door. <laughs> that might have back it. How did that happen? That's where we have to go back. I think your your head was going out to a lot like, faster, faster in your body. Your body is oh, there's no a doubt. Bit more time to catch up these yeah. days. This says, You're right. this says, I think they bombed the test. I think he bombed the test on purpose. I, I will ask that question again. Why would he bomb it on purpose? It's not just Too many the, people are going to get that test. You don't want to bomb that. Yeah, not why would you, you do that? You do it at the combine. It's not just the Texans who get that information. It's not like, because people are saying, well, he bombed it so he didn't have to go to the Texans. Well, he bombed, everybody's looking yeah, at the Yeah, so the, the teams don't individually administer this test. No. It's a, yeah, that's. Company does I don't it. I think some people are. A little bit confused. Now, about that. I mean, could the Texans like they're trying to trick you or something? Now, could the Texans go back to CJ's and say, "Hey, look, can, can we take this test again? You just maybe had a bad day. Um, can we do this again?" I mean, that wouldn't be outside the box or the realm of possibility, because again, if you're the general manager and your job's on the line here, and you take a player who scored that poorly on that, you know, processing is a huge factor. Yeah, I'm going to go. Damn, really? Eighteen percent. You could understand Nick Casario saying, "I can't do that. I just can't do it." As we said earlier, it'd be like taking an offensive lineman who did five on the bench press. I mean, it, yeah, he's a good player, you think, but he's not strong enough. No. This is the test we use and uh, like it to determine how strong you are. You can't play offensive line in the NFL if you aren't very, very strong. Uh, that's just the name of the game, my friends. And so you understand where it's at. Because somebody said, well, if the Texans don't take him, somebody will. Well, but how far? If everybody has the information, and now the Colts maybe favor Will Levis. You know when, at what point, and you know that's going to be the conversation on C.J. Stroud uh, among many uncertainties yeah, th- about this draft. And this can be the divider of of where you take that guy for sure. You know, uh huh. I mean, that's it, again, it's a piece, it's a piece of it, but I think it's it's going to be a growing and big piece. And if you read the Bob McGinn story, and I, I keep citing it, so I should probably say where you can get it. Uh, he, it's he, you just go to Twitter and find Bob McGinn, B B O B M C G I N N. And he's, you know, it's it's a five-part series on the position groups and what he's hearing and how they're going to be ranked by the league personnel. And this is a guy who's done that for, for 40 years, covering that NFL drafts all the way back. So uh, it obviously is a conversation that we're going to hear a lot of uh, coming towards Thursday night. But it's just one of the many questions. That's why the, the quote from the Peter King column, a guy, a, a GM with a t- pick in the top 10 for the second straight year saying, last year we felt 75% certain who we were taking, this year we're 25%. We have no idea because they don't know who's going to be there. No one is really clear on a Monday before the draft how this draft is going to fall outside of the first pick. That's going to Carolina because they made the trade. They moved up. They control this thing. They get to take the player that they've evaluated. Do a good job keeping this under wraps. 
Yeah. Well, and again, this uh, this information, we take these tests, it really shouldn't get out. But, you know, people are talking about it because people are asking the question, well, how did C.J. Stroud go from neck and neck with Bryce Young to now maybe dropping behind Will Levis? And that's a fair question. And that would be at least a logical answer to it. And it goes back to the shame on the Texans for botching the first pick because they shouldn't be in this position. And you, you had to know. And I said that the, the Monday after they lost, that they beat the Colts that weekend was, you know, you can say what you want about Young and Stroud and it's 1A and 1B. But having followed this process enough years, someone's going to separate. I mean, it's, That's what, right. it's what you know for the years on tape. But when you get to know these players and you do the deep dive evaluation, everything we're talking about, one of these players will separate. Uh, one of these players will move forward. And this has exactly happened. And now Houston doesn't control it. And they, and they, you know, it was the Carolina Panthers who made the move to be in control of that pick. And now they're going to take the player who likely uh, is the most ready to play and sure. polished quarterback in this draft. So credit to the Panthers. They needed a quarterback. They went and got him. Houston sat God, on their Houston's hands. Houston's got to get a quarterback, though. Houston sat on their hands, and you know now they're <clears> going <throat> to take you. a defensive end. It's Will Levis. Well, Let's get ready for I it. Mean, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's, I mean, it may matter to their fans, but they have to have a quarterback. They can't roll Case Keenum out there. They might as well roll Davis Mills out there again, I, because then you can tell me. You're trying to you're trying to get ready for the following year at quarterback. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting because uh, we've we've given you the story out of Houston over and over again that they've shopped the pick. They'd like to move back because they may want to take Tyree Wilson, but is Tyree Wilson worthy of the second overall pick? Could you get him later? Um, you know, what is Arizona going to do at three? What about the Colts? They're in your own division and their quarterback starved. There were reports that the Tennessee Titans are itching to come up. Uh, if the Colt, if the Carolina, if the Arizona Cardinals want to trade out, they'd like to come up from eleven to two mm-hmm. or to three to be ready to take a quarterback to replace Ryan Tannehill because Malik Willis is not their answer. So again, the uncertainty of the first round is. And then there's Jalen Carter, right? I mean, as we said this about about C.J. Stroud, the red flag. You, 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 when you're drafting this high, you're looking to eliminate all the red flags. You don't want to take a player with a big, whether it's an injury history, no, whether it's this test cognitively off the field, or like Jalen Carter. The red flag is the off-field stuff. You know, how much does he love football? Why is he drag racing at 2 in the morning and then leaving the scene? Why did he show up to his combine or his pro day overweight? These are all questions. That's a red flag, right? You're, oh. And so Jalen Carter, who's probably pound for pound the best prospect in the draft, he's now seen as could he go 5, could he go 6, could he go 7? It's the same thing with C.J. Stroud. It's just a big red flag that's going to make people wary. Uh, those players, C.J. Stroud and Jalen Carter, very well make, may make those teams pay for it. Yeah, and that's why I think Bijan is going to end up in Philadelphia. They have gotten to the point where they're making some some moves that just make sense for them. How about uh, the Bijan to the Falcons? That's still my pick. I'm still on. Could change by Thursday. I still think Atlanta gobbles up Bijan at, at the eight? eighth pick ahead of Philadelphia, ahead of the Cowboys. But that's where it stands. This is how did Will Levis do on that uh, cognitive test? He got like an 84, 84%. So not Bryce Young, but not terrible at all. Uh, pretty strong. We come back. We're going to talk uh, some Big 12 football as we're going uh, checking in with our insiders who cover programs not named Texas. We did that last Monday and all through spring. We've already gone to Lubbock. We've gone to Norman. And coming back, we'll go to Waco, check in on the Baylor Bears after their spring and spring game. It's Bucky and Aaron. It is a Monday. That means good, bad, and ugly from the weekend. Recapping it, plenty of good. Longhorn softball sweeps Oklahoma State, the third-ranked team in the country. Longhorn Tennis on the women's side wins the Big 12 championship again. Longhorn Baseball got swept by Oklahoma. That was ugly. 
for sure. Also on Major League Baseball side, how about the Tampa Bay Rays? Buck 19 and three in their first 22 ball games. What a great start great they're start. off to. Texas Rangers are tied with Baltimore for the second best start to the season. They're 14 and seven, both of them. But uh, Rays are 13 and 0 at home now. And how about the Houston Astros? Jordan Alvarez almost by himself offensively beat the Braves this weekend. Had a big two-run walk-off homer in the ninth to beat them on Friday night. Hit another two-run homer on Saturday. He and Kyle Tucker provided the offense. And then yesterday, uh, it was 2 nothing Braves in the eighth inning, and he delivered a big two-run single to tie the ball game. That guy is something else. He's batting average only about two fifty, but his late and light, light. Yeah, his time. His timing, his timing is great. on big hits and high leverage situations is just as clutch as it gets. I can't imagine there's a more clutch player right now. And a, and a, a batter pitchers want to face less than our Jordan Alvarez right now in a, in a tough and tight late situation. Uh, so that's part of the good and the bad, but also on the good side, Buck, we're wrapping up spring practices and with spring games. Longhorns had theirs last Saturday, so last Monday we were all over the horns. This morning we're talking about some others around the Big 12 who have had their spring wrap-up, including uh, Oklahoma earlier this morning and Texas Tech, and now we wrap it up with a review of how it went in Waco. For the Baylor Bears, and that means we go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline and talk to our good friend Craig Smoke, who covers those Bears up in Waco. Craig, how are you, man? Doing really good, guys. Uh, glad to be with you once again. And uh, the uh, spring ball is a fun time uh, to see it wrap up. It's a little bit bittersweet, but uh, good to see the Bears out there this past weekend. Sikkim thirty, uh, Sikkim three sixty five is where you'll find all of Craig uh, Craig's work. They're covering the the Baylor Bears. I just saw a headline from twenty four seven Sports as Baylor wraps up strong twenty twenty three spring camp with the gold and green scrimmage. Would you agree with that? A strong camp, but if so, why? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's up to interpretation. I don't know that I'd really categorize it one way or the other. I mean, there's certainly some things to uh, be, you know. I guess, enthusiastic about, to be positive about moving forward. I think there's also a lot of questions that were just reinforced on Saturday. So uh, as for me, I'll withhold on how positive it actually was. I mean, I do think they made some ground. I think that they flipped some things from last year that they needed to. But as far as what that turns into next year on the field, um, I think it'll be a happier team, whether it's a better team record-wise. I think there's still a lot of things to figure out, and that remains to be seen as of right now. Now, Smoke, what will they have to do? How do you when you when you say that? I mean, this group should be able to run the ball. They've got a nice running back who's a sophomore this year with an offensive line that's decent enough to really. I mean, they'll keep their heads way above water when it comes to running the football, won't they? Yeah, I mean, I think right now that's what they're looking at as their strength. Now, the offensive line we saw on Saturday that was replacing basically four of the five starters from last year, but they have a really good offensive line coach and Eric Mateos. Uh, and it appears as though maybe they don't have as much of a transition there as you would think given mm-hmm. the amount of experience that they, they will be replacing. But uh, they've got a, a running back room where they had the newcomer of the year last year, and Richard Reese, who will be back, uh, as well as Quaylen Jones, uh, who, who also saw a little bit of time last year. They also brought in Dominic Richardson from Oklahoma State, and they have a true freshman in Bryson Washington who uh, is very impressive. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I think with an O-line that doesn't look like it'll take much of a step off, Uh, with a running back room that's pretty deep and solid now, uh, that does look like it's going to be their strength because on the other side you have a quarterback situation with Blake Shapin back and then a young guy in Sawyer Robertson that is, um, you know, it's been a fun competition. It's winding down, but I I guess, guys, the reason why I'm just not all on board with this, this offense and being super enthusiastic about it is that unlike some of these other competitions, uh, or other, you know, young quarterbacks that are on the rise, maybe to other programs, um, Blake Shapin's not just so established that 
Uh, the fact that he wins this job is, is a great sign or anything. He didn't play very well last year. Uh, and so there's a lot of people that, you know, would like to see a Sawyer Robertson get the start. Um, but after Saturday, just didn't see enough from Shapin to feel like he's going to take this offense the next step. So, yeah, they're going to probably have to, and they probably will have a strength in running the football. But as far as just the offense as a whole, I think there's a lot of questions uh, still remaining. But uh, they need to name a starting quarterback before we start to form too much of an opinion. Dave Aranda, of course, year one struggled to find the offense, and then you know coming in during COVID made that difficult. Then they won the Big Twelve championship in his second year, and last year fall back to six and seven. And a lot of it was uh, maybe the the, the defense in the Big Twelve figured out that outside zone scheme, Craig, and then uh, you know Blake Shapin didn't play up to to uh, you know what what the expectation was. You just said something that's interesting though to me that they'll be a happier team. What does that mean? They were an unhappy team last year. Is that uh, is that fair? What 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 were the reasons for that? Yeah, you know, when you're coming off 12-2 and two in the year that they had, you know, where it was the best team in Baylor history just a couple of years ago, uh, winning the Big 12, winning the Sugar Bowl, winning 12 games, um, that was all great. It was a it was storybook is about as, as, you know, good as you could write it up for, for that program. And then, you know, expecting not maybe quite that type of follow-up, but still some type of success, uh, they kind of fell off a cliff last year. I mean, if you really look at it, there just wasn't a lot to talk about with them. And what you talked about was – uh, typically, you know, things like uh, the TCU game where TCU completes their or keeps going with their magical season with a last second field goal at McLean Stadium. Like, there was just a few, there's just things that were a little out of whack last year. And the way some of the losses went just kind of piled that on. The way the end of the year uh, ended with losses to, to TCU in heartbreaking fashion, getting beat down in Austin, turning around, you had the, the Armed Forces Bowl, that miserable bowl game against Baylor. Like, you, you could just tell by the end of the year that just something wasn't right with this team, and the record reflected it as well. Um, you immediately saw him can the defensive coordinator, uh, saw other changes on the, uh, on the staff and special teams, and safety's coach as well. They bring back an old face in Matt Pallage, who's now the defensive coordinator. And just all throughout the offseason, Aranda was talking about just how things weren't right, and we all could feel it last year. Uh, but I think as it's kind of progressed, you've uh, heard him start to mention how he himself was too lenient. He probably didn't have enough discipline as far as just uh, holding guys accountable at certain times when he should have, and that's a big lesson he's taken away from last year. But it did allow just things to be a little bit off, the chemistry to be a little off uh, last year, whether it was coming from the coaching staff or whether it was coming from the players, whether it was coming from him being too lenient. And so while none of us could quite put our finger on like just why this team couldn't seem to get it all together, uh, that's kind of been what's, what's come to the forefront was just the chemistry and some of the relationships were a little bit off kilter and not quite right. That's why you've seen them make a bunch of changes, but whether those changes are going to result in them finding that magic formula again, well, that remains to be seen. But at least it seems like there is at least an answer to the chemistry problem uh, compared to last year's team. Well, I would think that when you lost the kind of players, the kind of leaders that you lost last after last year that went on to play in the NFL, that had to hurt. The leadership must have hurt a little bit. Uh, Shapin, I mean, this is a guy who reminds me an awful lot of like Tua. He takes some bad falls when he hits the ground. Smoke. I mean, he 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 needs yeah. to go to fall school because when he hits, his head seems to hit the ground. He's he doesn't have like those major injuries, but those concussions that he gets banged up on, they're scary. I mean, he should be getting better. And like you said, I mean, he didn't he didn't take that step above because he got banged up again last year. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. We knew that there was going to be, you know, some loss of leadership. We knew there was going to be just some loss of of the, the special, you know, grouping mm-hmm. that they had the year prior. I mean, we, we knew that was going to happen, but I think to the extent that it happened still caught people off guard. And, and you're right. That, that was a big part of it. But, yeah, Shapin, you know, I think the – the thing that's been really unfortunate is that he's started to get some of those, um, I guess, he, he started to kind of dust up some Charlie Brewer memories for folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, in that, you know, he's a scrappy player, um, but, you know, they kind of resemble each other, you know, just stature-wise and whatnot, the way that they right. kind of move about, they're similar. But, yeah, now, unfortunately, there's also that, that durability question mark. There's that, you know, can they stick in there and can they avoid the big hits question mark? And I wouldn't say it's quite to the point of, um, you know, the, to where it got with Charlie eventually. Um, but it is similar enough that, yeah, it's not a – you guys know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. just not a great feeling around right now that people are just super pumped and super confident and, and, and feeling like he's going to be the guy next year. And uh, when you don't really have another option to pivot to, and Dave Aran is talking about naming a starting quarterback, and all arrows point to the guy who's probably the same guy you saw last year – it's just not super inspiring the fan base, and so I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how that goes. Um, but you're right. Um, he he had his opportunity last year. He didn't take full advantage of it, and I, I don't know what all can change enough to really uh, flip that too much um, and change too much from what we've already seen. So that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on and, and something that a few people are a bit worried about, to say the least. Smoke, we appreciate it, man. Uh, great stuff. We'll do this again as we get closer to the actual season. We'll certainly see a Big 12 Media Days at least one more time. It's at Sikkim365, Sikkim365.com. Craig Smoke, follow him on Twitter, at Craig Smoke, S-M-O-A-K, not the traditional smoke spelling. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Smoke. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. All right. Yeah, interesting. Uh, we got to get a timeout because Jeff Howe's going to jump in here with some news on the Longhorn basketball uh, portal pursuits. Of course, had a great day yesterday. We'll have Jeff Howe from Horns 24-7 and Light the Tower coming next uh, on the other side of a quick timeout. All right. We uh, are rolling on. And look who's in the house. He'll be uh, riding shotgun right next to Craig Way coming up on Light the Tower. Cam Parker as well. But he's in a little early, as he did last week. Because last week, Jeff had the good scoop on uh, Caden Shedrick, was in for an official visit. The Virginia big man, he's now committed to the University of Texas, he's Jeff. A, yeah, well, not official, but yeah, he's he's in the boat. He's in the boat, P.J. Fleck. Also, you had the story last week about uh, Max uh, Acemas mm-hmm. uh, from Oral Roberts, also had an official visit. Longhorns are waiting on his decision, but all signs, at least, are, are optimistic, and um, we're starting to see the formation of this roster. Dylan DeSue, Ron Holland, Caden Shedrick up front, Tyrese Hunter potentially along, potentially, with Max Asmus out of Oral Roberts in the backcourt. I'll tell you this, e, I haven't heard anything Max Asmus related that uh, gives me pause that Texas doesn't sit in a really good spot and shouldn't feel really good about where they are. Hey, hey Buck, can I give you my, my deep insider info that I was at a wedding in Dallas on Saturday, I told you this, and one of the guys I got to know is an Aggie who's – because da- Max Asmus went to Dallas Jesuit High School up there in the Metroplex, and his kids, the kid that I'm talking to, his kids go to Jesuit, and one of his his sons went on to pitch at Pepperdine, and so and he is the same age as Max Asmus, and I, I we talked about him, and he said, yeah, I was hoping the Aggies could get him, but everything I'm hearing is going to Texas, so that's that's my little deep little inside insider. wedding there you go wedding scoop that uh, from the from the from the Dallas perspective, but look, again, tell look, work, working while you're off the clock. Hey man, we and then we got up and did some dancing to the to the great band that they had. But no, it's good time, good time Saturday night. But that's the at least the scoop. Open bar. 
Oh, about yeah. that. Open oh, bar, yeah. dude. It was there open everything. I mean, I, I learned how the, the top 1% live. <laughs> <laughs> open everything. It was it was funny. it was swanky, but great people, great family. The best to the to the young couple. Last last open bar to wedding I went to was Craig Way's wedding. Can I just give you all a, a little piece of how we were driving up there? And my wife realized, oh shoot, we haven't gotten a gift, so she went to the website and the registry. We had a, we had an option to buy a uh, a gravy boat that cost four hundred and sixty seven dollars, and if you bought the adjoining plate it sits on, that was another two hundred and twenty five dollars. And we're like, yeah, we're not doing that. We're not. Do they sell gravy boats that cost seven hundred dollars? Really? Look, if you're if you're going to a wedding with the one with the top one percent, you don't need to buy a gift. Your presence should be gift. Because what are you what are you going to get them that they already don't have or can't get? Yeah, but they're lovely people, and it was a great event. Buck, what would you think about a four hundred dollar gravy boat? I have a limit on weddings. <laughs> I have a limit. I do. I really do. I but mean, my friends and expectations of me. They know me. They know how I am. They know what they're going to get. It's going to be nice, but it ain't going past one fifty. Um, just not. I mean, it's just in, in this day and age, you can get a lot with one fifty, can't you? One of the funnier wedding stories of my uh, and a nice card. My brother-in-law at my sister-in-law's wedding. So right, he's married to my wife's sister, and at the, their wedding, kind of same thing, kind of Dallas, pretty shishi wedding, and everything going on. And they had they had their gift table. This is like way back for registries, right? So it was like a gift table. You know, you put your gift on the table, right? All the boxes oh, yeah, and all. The day of that, <laughs> George brought this horrible, ugly-looking lamp from the Goodwill and set it on the gift table, no. and with a big bow on it, just to be an eyesore in the middle of all the packages. It was so funny, and everybody's walking in going, eh, eh, "That's a horrible gift, dude." Did that, uh, but just to uh, have fun with the sister-in-law, which is always good. But no, pretty much, e, what you just said is, is kind of what I've heard with Max Acemus. Just it's. You're just kind of waiting. I wouldn't be surprised. Kansas State is the, the chief yeah, rival yeah, right now yeah. for that. And I mean, Wichita State's on the periphery because, you know, Paul Mills took that job. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it's Texas and K-State. I wouldn't be surprised if you heard about, you know, Texas getting another visit with him, just some more FaceTime. But everything I've heard coming out of the official visit well, with him last week was just it, nothing but positives. How many Texas. visits can you take? How many visits can you actually get back on campus again? Is for it just for kind him? No, oh, he just gets one the one official. One. But in terms of staff contact, you can you can go see him, yeah. or he can come see you. It doesn't call. I mean, oh, if you're not paying a, for it, well, right? if it's on, if it's within the recruiting window on an unofficial, he can. But you get you get one official visit. I'll say this, Jeff. Too also right last now. week we talked about Dylan DeSue and the likelihood he returns. That was a big one yesterday That's too. Huge. Yeah, a lot of fans huge. were breathing a sigh of relief that Dylan's back. Because again. It, it, with with Shedrick from Virginia, Dylan back for a final year trying to pick up where he Pro- left now off. You, you probably got you know. I haven't looked at everybody's roster, but maybe the best pair of forwards in the conference. Here comes Ron Holland, a kid out of Duncanville, number one player in the state, who you know people believe you know can be an immediate player, not just a you know a freshman you know doing little things, but actually be a, 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 a key player. But you also, Jeff, have some breaking news on the uh, Longhorn recruiting effort, maybe yeah. for next year. Yeah, get some. Uh, where's Tyrus back there? Can I get a breaking news sounder? There he is. Thank you, Ty. Yeah, Liam McNeely. Uh, he's a kid out of Montverde Academy in Florida. That's where you know you go to twenty four seven Sports or wherever. That's where you're, you'll see him listed from. But he's a Metroplex kid uh, from Richardson. Uh, he's at Montverde now. One of the top prospects in the country for the class of twenty twenty four. Actually, if you want the answer to a trivia question, E, he is the first high school recruit that Rodney Terry has hosted 
since he was named head coach oh, wow. last month. So uh, this kid is a high, high priority kid for Texas. 6'7", 190 pound forward. Uh, again, five star prospect at 24-7 sports. We've got him ranked number 14 overall uh, in the 24-7 sports uh, or actually number 16 overall in the 24-7 sports composite. Our staff likes him better. They got him at 14 overall. Uh, I know the Texas staff went and saw him this weekend. He was on the Nike EYBL circuit playing in Atlanta. Uh, just changed AAU teams. He's playing for the uh, for the Florida Rebels. Uh same uh, same AAU program and same high school that uh, Dylan Mitchell played for. Oh, cool. So so there's the tie-in. Uh, but you know basketball basketball runs in his family. Uh, you know his grandfather played at TCU. His mom played college basketball at Rice. His sister actually goes uh, to the University of Texas. So anytime you talk about Texas kids, you talk about a kid from Dallas. You talk about a kid that you know you'd like to bring him back home. I think that's a high priority for the staff. Get Liam McNeely back home. He's a really talented player. Always said, I mean, there's something special about Texas kids that choose to go to the University of Texas, and uh, you know, Texas looking to get on the board in the class of 2024. They would love to have this kid. Tell me his name in again. The fold. Liam McNeely. Liam McNeely out of Dallas, Texas. Nice. Yeah, and you look when Rodney Terry took the job, he made it. When he was asked about it, why do you feel like you'll be able to recruit well here? He's well because as an assistant, I recruited very well here. But the brand of Texas is huge, right? The ability to you know, everything it offers. We hear all the coaches say it, but, you know, the the brand of Texas, the the great education, the facilities now at the Moody Center and the new practice facility becoming online, uh, it's it's uh, it's the University of Texas. And if you're from Texas, it's, uh, it's about as good as you can do if you wanted, you know, education and basketball. Yeah, you've got, I mean, again, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen everybody's facilities firsthand, but, you know, I've, I've been to, I've done, you know, last summer I went to Durham and went to Chapel Hill, went to Duke, went to North Carolina, and you can't tell me that Texas doesn't have the best basketball facilities in the country. I mean, we've been to Lawrence and seen what Kansas has to offer, uh, facilities like you mentioned, e-education. But uh, Liam McNeely's the kind of guy that if you get him in the class of 2024, you're starting off on a really Really good foot. Uh, awesome. Like I said, just you know, to reiterate, in case anybody's jumping in late, Texas staff went and saw him uh, this weekend on that Nike EYBL circuit in Atlanta. He uh, actually, if you if you if you want a player comparison, uh, Brandon Jenkins really really good at his job uh, running uh, helping with our national recruiting team at twenty four seven Sports. Compares him to Kyle Singler. That would be the comp former Duke star, what's okay. a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. So that's that's you get an idea of of what you're getting with Liam McNeely. So really, really talented kid. Again, high high priority for Texas. Thank you, Jeff, and keep us posted in your ear to the rail on the very latest, as it uh, we like to call them portal. And Jeff, do you, do you like the render the rendering of the new facility for football? Love it. Do you love it? Yeah, it's right. I mean, Bucky, you know how it is. You you when you got to walk to. A, Got to walk to you know practice field or, or sure back in your day y'all, y'all were busting over to no 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 that was Max guys they were I don't know whose guys <laughs> that were we were walking over to the walk, practice walk field Mac, practice we field. used to have fun with Max team getting air conditioned bus, bus to go y'all were over at Whitaker though right yeah we did Whitaker yeah. we also did yeah, we did Merrill fields and now is yeah we did yeah. there was no yeah, bubble it's, it's been it's been a long overdue uh, for a new indoor facility I mean the bubble was supposed to be temporary that was twenty years ago yes but it was supposed to be temporary yeah, time to get that changed they're about to do that awesome. All right, Jeff, thanks a lot. We'll be listening yep, to the Lightning Tower coming up with Craig and Colonel and uh, you, Colonel, Colonel Parker. But you, by the way, but can I play the best of the weekend? We have to. Because this came winter, winter, on Saturday dinner. morning. I My horse in the Horn Derby on the high ground with Craig Flowers was Nunley. Entry, yes. Can we hear the final call of this from the uh, the great uh, uh, announcer, Craig Flowers, of the Horn Derby from the Banks of 360? Rain fault in U-Haul fade as Nunley finds some room and inserts himself among the leaders. Live Golf fades, no longer a factor. Four horses together. Filthy Lewis runs like a mother, rev gum, and taxing Disney. 
into the stretch as they turn for home now with a sense of urgency. The crowd, the crowd urging them on. This is unbelievable. As Dave Johnson says, go, let's stretch the go. With a furlong to go, the drive for home is on. It's revved up, runs like a mother. And Nunley, Nunley thrusts himself into the crowd of four. And they clear a spot for him to move in. It's run like a mother, Nunley. And now Fast Burrow with Fast Eddie aboard. It's neck and neck, head to head bobbing, lunging, lunging as Nunley clears the front and crosses first. Nunley is first, runs like a mother was second. Fast Burrow was third. <laughs> Nunley out of uh, the Paradise Guest Ranch stable. Nice, very Wyoming. nice. Wyoming, bringing it. You know, he's blessed, you know. Nunley is blessed. Very right? much so. So so we've heard. Blessed. <laughs> and it didn't dissuade him. Wow. Sometimes that could get in the way, right? Yeah, when his handler isn't <laughs> doing the right thing. Nunley out of uh, Paradise Guest Ranch winning the horn. Oh, and I, I cashed in on that ticket, which is a good thing. Good job. And the Kentucky Derby's inside two weeks now with Confidence Game. Uh, as I said, you know, you know, one of Craig's favorite things is send it. That's what I told him. Nunley, send it. Send it in. That's right. That city is a pro at and hitting that hole. Hey, Buck, have a great uh, Monday. A little don't, bit warmer don't today. Your, don't bang your head against the car door, yes. okay? But be careful. Jeff, have a great show. Ty, thank you. Thanks, guys. Good luck gambling. We'll do this again tomorrow morning. Lots to talk about. I know the, uh, can, the conversation continues all day, live and local, here on The Horn.